started last week in the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm going to grab my Bible right here because this would be good to have this. Matthew chapter 1, though, we talked about the genealogies and what does that mean? What is the significance of the genealogy? We talked about how that, that God is faithful, that God is faithful. And we saw that just as God promised that what he said would come to pass would, as was predicted by the prophets hundreds and thousands of years earlier, that God always keeps his word, that God is faithful. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, now we pick up, it says, The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, or it happened in this way. When Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. This is the miraculous virgin birth, as was predicted, as was prophesied. So Mary and Joseph were engaged, they were espoused. This would be a little more serious than our engagement process. Uh, but it wasn't that marriage covenant yet, but this was a serious thing. And so Joseph knew that, okay, when Mary, when he found out Mary was with child, he knew that he wasn't the father. They hadn't yet come together physically. And Joseph's confused now. Joseph's hurt, feels betrayed. It says that he began to think about these things. So it says Joseph, her husband, being a just man, he, he wasn't willing to make her a public example he didn't want to shame her. He didn't even desire to seek after how that he could at the, at the time and the culture of, of, of punishing her. But he didn't want to marry her either. His plan was just to quietly put her away. His plan was just to quite, again, he was hurt, confused, wondering what's going on. In Luke's gospel, we see how the angel appears to Mary and says, this is part of my plan. Don't be troubled. Fear not. This is part of my plan. Here in Matthew's gospel, he's highlighting Joseph. And Joseph is thinking on these things we see in verse 20. While he thought on these things, behold, angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son. He called his name Jesus. So this is the prophecy that Isaiah the prophet had predicted would happen. He said, this is going to be a sign unto you. Uh, and he talks about that, that a virgin will conceive and bear a son. Now, just so you know, the skeptics, the enemies of our faith, they, 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 they bring this back up all the time. Christians have answered it for hundreds of years, but they still love to rehash these things and bring them back up and, and do it and present it in a way that seems really shocking and alarming. But one thing that skeptics will sometimes bring up is, well, in Isaiah, Isaiah is using a Hebrew word, Alma, which could just simply mean a young woman. You know, you Christians, like you guys just like wanted to dramatize it by, by saying that it was a virgin that would bring forth a son. But what's important to know is Matthew, when Matthew's writing this, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he, he, was, he was using a Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but Matthew's using a Greek translation, the Septuagint, the Greek Septuagint. That wasn't put together by Christians. That was put together, that predates the New Testament. 
and it was put together by Jewish scholars. And you know what word they used? Parthenos, that has one meaning and one meaning alone, virgin. So this wasn't something that all the New Testament writers and Christians just tried to manipulate and dramatize. And besides that, I mean, what kind of sign would it be? What significance would it be about a young woman giving birth to a child? I mean, that happens on a daily basis. But this is miraculous. This was the virgin birth that was prophesied. And Joseph is confused and hurt and afraid. The angel comes to him and says, this is God's plan. This is God's plan. Don't be afraid. Don't be alarmed. Mary and Joseph, they had a choice. They're going to accept God's plan for their life. Or were they going to be stubborn and refuse to accept it and demand that they do their own life and live their own way? See, they're probably from a very, both of them are from a very small town, probably a few hundred people. We don't know exactly how big that it was. Probably a few hundred people. They probably thought their life was going to be quiet, uneventful. No one would really know their name outside, outside of the circle of family and friends in that small town. But God's plan was way different than what theirs was. And many times, you know what in life? We have this script written for our life. We have this plan. Things are going to go this way, and I'm going to do everything just right. And if I, if, if I do everything just right, then all these things are going to happen. And you know what happens many times? God's plan's different. God hands us a script that's different than the one that we have written for our life. And here's what's so important why we have to talk about this. Because for many, that's the end of their faith. They walk away from a faith that they had anchored into a God that never lets bad things happen to people. But that's definitely not the perspective we see in Scripture. Christ's early followers, their faith wasn't anchored to a God that never let bad happen. The early followers of Christ, they anchored their faith because they saw the resurrected Savior. And, and, and they themselves, they saw the worst thing imaginable, the death on a Roman cross, happened to the best person that they ever knew. But they saw the resurrected Savior, and they anchored their faith to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. The fact that they followed him and were with him for, for, for over three years, and they saw his miracles, they, they heard his claims, they saw that they themselves testified saying that this man is without sin. They saw him rise from the dead and they themselves were willing to suffer and all of the early apostles suffered, many of them. In fact, perhaps almost all of them were martyred for their faith. That certainly wasn't the perspective of the early followers of Christ, that, that God never lets bad things happen to people. That's certainly not the perspective of many brothers and sisters and, and, and believers that, that I know and that you know. It's not the perspective of two families that sat in, in our service last night, who both of them, who both of them in, in, in just the last few years, they gave birth to a baby that lived for just a short time and then died. Oh, they would tell you that didn't shatter their faith. In fact, their faith is strengthened because of God's grace in that time. It's definitely not the, the perspective of, of my wife 
who, as when she was a young child, she lost her teenage brother in a tragic accident. And then shortly after we were married, within a year of each other, both of her parents passed away. Both of her parents passed away before they even turned 50. She, she would tell you today that that didn't shatter her faith. But her faith is strengthened going through those things. It's not the perspective of many of you who've lost loved ones unexpectedly, who've had great tragedy and harm and pain and suffering. You'd be the first to testify that that hasn't shattered your faith, but that it strengthened your faith because you've seen that God has a purpose and a plan and is glorified and is working out his purposes in it. It doesn't mean we don't sorrow greatly, and it doesn't mean that there's times we're not very confused, and times where we don't understand, and times where we go through, through discouragement and depression and anxiety. But for so many, for so many, it's the end of their faith when they, when they recognize that, okay, God doesn't exist to give me everything I want. God doesn't exist to glorify me. No, the, the, the perspective of Christianity and the perspective of God's word is that we exist for his glory. Many times, many times God's plan is going to be different than the one you have envisioned. And maybe you're experiencing that right now. Maybe you had a plan of how things are supposed to work out with, with, with certain relationships. Maybe, maybe you have children that are now grown and you raise them to, 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 to live a certain way and you look at their life now and, and their life's completely different than that. Maybe you've done everything just right with working hard at the job that, that you were at. And maybe for years and years and years, you sacrificed and worked hard and, and were a good employee. And then the moment that things didn't work out, they just pulled out the rug from under you and let you go. When it no longer benefited them. Maybe you've experienced some traumatic things here recently. And maybe honestly today, if, if you'd be honest, you'd say that, I don't know what God is doing. And this isn't the plan. This isn't the, this isn't the script that I would have chosen or that I would have written. Because many times God hands us a script and it's different. It's different than the one we have envisioned. His plan is different than what we have planned. Mary had to choose God's plan over hers. She had to choose God's plan over Joseph. She had to choose God's plan over the life she had envisioned. Joseph had to choose God's plan over his. We see many times that's how life is. It's different than the plan that we have envisioned. But here's an important truth. God's plan is better. God's plan is better. It doesn't mean it's easier. But God's plan is better. We see that this was God's plan. The redemptive story of man that God would enter his own creation, the theological term, we call this the incarnation. That God would come, he would, or that, that Jesus would come in he, the sec, as a second person of the Trinity. God the Son would be wrapped in human flesh and enter into this world to live a righteous life we could never live, to die the death we all deserve, to raise from the dead, to bring salvation to all who would believe. We see God's plan is better. Many times it's hard to see that in our life. How can God's plan be better? How can, how can losing this job actually be better? How can this broken relationship actually be better? And I'm not saying that there's not times in life where our own sin and our own foolishness put us in, in, in really bad places. And hopefully that brings us to a repentance 
in, in a change in our life instead of always playing the victim card and wondering why every relationship's messed up and the common denominator is us in all of those. Look, I understand there's times where we can bring those things upon ourselves, but also there's a lot of things in life we didn't sign up for. And yes, we're fallen and sinners and we're not innocent in the fact that we're without sin, but we're innocent in certain relationships where we didn't cause it. Man, sometimes those things are hard to see that God's plan is better. That God's script is different than ours and his script is better than the one that we have written because God's plan for our life isn't over yet. God's plan isn't over. See, we, we get to see and we know, we know how this ends and we know, well, Mary, Joseph, it's okay. Like God, God's got a better plan than yours, but, but they didn't have the luxury of being able to read. Yes, the angel appeared to them and told them they didn't know every detail of how everything would work out. And you know what? In your life, you don't know every detail of how and why God is doing the things that he's doing. And you may not understand until years down the road. You may not understand some things until you're in his presence in heaven. It's hard to explain and understand why would God suddenly take a loved one from us. And what we would say, uh, what we would say before their time, someone at a young age, someone unexpectedly. It's hard to understand why the things happen in life with relationships and why things happen in life with employment and why things happen with, 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 with even what we're facing as a nation with this pandemic. And it's hard to, you know, but we're so quick. We're, so, we're, we're way too quick to call things a success or call things a failure. Many times it could be the things, maybe even the times in your life that you think these were wasted years. This time was wasted. I put all this effort into this and then all of it's wasted. It may not be wasted. Because God has a specific plan and purpose. There's no such thing. We talk about this all the time here at Crosspoint. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as, as wasted pain and suffering. None of it is meaningless. All of it is meaningful because we have a sovereign God who rules and reigns and is in control of all things. And he has a plan. And here's the thing. Here it is. The script that God gives us is more often than not different than the one we have written but his is better because God sees the big picture and God controls the future and God has a plan for you and for me. He has a specific purpose for you and for me. And maybe the reality is today that you find yourself, you're at Crosspoint and the reason you started coming to Crosspoint is not because everything was going smooth in your life. Maybe because God's brought you to a place where things in life aren't going smooth and they're not going well because ultimately he's going to use those things to bring you to a saving faith in him. We see that the birth of Jesus, why was Jesus born? Why did he come? Verse 21, it says, he shall save his people from their sins. That God entered his own creation in a very humble way. He died, he lived a perfect life. He died a horrible death on the Roman cross. And it was through that, what we, what people would say, a tragedy, the greatest injustice ever that brings salvation to each and every one of us, to each and every one who by faith will trust in him as our Lord and Savior. And I wonder today, maybe you're here, you're not a believer. Maybe you're just an honest skeptic and you're searching and, and maybe... God has brought you through things in life that were unpleasant. 
And for many who would say that's the end of their faith because God would never let bad happen. But I hope today that I can offer you a different perspective, a true biblical perspective. And that is that God has a purpose and a plan through all of those things. And maybe God's brought you here today because you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior. And maybe today's the day to put your faith, your trust in him and call upon him as your Savior. Maybe you have just a lot of questions. Maybe, maybe you've heard people say things and you've even repeated some of those things because they sound smart. They sound intelligent, but deep down, you know that, that you, you have a worldview that cannot face the scrutiny of reality. And maybe God's brought you here today to hear the glorious news of the gospel that Jesus Christ came to save you, to save me from our sins. Because all of us here today have one thing in common. We're fallen sinners who are in need of a savior. And the glorious message of Christmas, the glorious message of the gospel is that God sent his son to be the savior of the world, to live a righteous life that you, that I could never hope to live and to die the death all of us deserve and to raise from the dead, powerfully declaring he was God. And he did it to save all those who will believe. If you don't know Christ today, Put your faith and trust in him. Anchor your faith in the resurrected Savior that died for you to pay the price for your sins. If you're here today and you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ, maybe you're going through things in life that honestly, like you don't understand why. And it's hard to have that faith because it's definitely not the script that you would have chosen. It's not the script you would have written for your life. You would have, you would have written a way different script. But maybe today it's just a surrender in the sense of trusting that God has a purpose and a plan, even through the things that we say are unfortunate, even through the pain and suffering, even through the things that we would not have chosen and trust that his plan is different and his plan is better. And God's work is unfolding in our life. It's not over that God has a purpose and plan for each and every one of you. If you don't know Christ today, please see myself, see one of our pastors here. We'd love to set up a time to talk with you more and answer questions that you might have. Explain what that means, even in more detail of what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ and a follower of Jesus Christ.